reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42, which is on page 1094. The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. So it's customary at uh, an APCM uh, for the rector to give a report. Uh, As I've been thinking and praying and preparing for today, uh, more and more have the sense God said, you've written your report, Um, people can read your report, I actually want you to speak on something different this morning. Um, Hence the passage that we just had from Acts chapter 2. Now I had chosen that passage ahead of time because it was our verse from last year uh, and we were going to have our verse from this year uh, which is, uh, as you all know, I'm sure, uh, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds this house, those who labour uh, in it labour in vain. But as I was looking at this passage in Acts chapter 2 uh, again, Uh, and was reading it again, Uh, although it's so familiar, I'm sure, to many of us, because we had it last year, and it's a well-known passage anyway, uh, there's something about it that I think God really wanted to say to us uh, today at an APCM. Because APCMs are an opportunity, as I've said, to look back, but also to look forward to where we're going. Uh, And it is a significant time, I think, uh, for God to be able to, to draw a line in the sand on certain things and to give us opportunities to move forward in other things. I want you to imagine yourself for a moment as the early church. You have just had a shared experience, incredible experience of the Holy Spirit. You are excited, you are fired up, you are probably quite nervous and fearful about what's going ahead, and you are passionate about everything you are seeing. Everything you are doing is new. Everything you are doing has never been done before. There has never been anything called church before this moment. You are the founders of something that's going to go on to change the world. You are Christ's representative on earth, and you are as excited as fearful about that. You have each of you, every single one of you in that moment, had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that you can't deny. In the passage we said we had, can we put Acts 2 back up again? It says in that verse, in one translation I read, that every soul had been filled with awe. And many signs and wonders. All of them, everybody around you has had that experience. You can't deny that it happened because every single one of you has experienced it. So you are so excited about what God is going to do. Everything is new. All the signs and wonders you're seeing, you've never seen anything like it before. All the people falling on their knees in worship, you've never seen it before. All the people coming to faith, you've never seen it before. You are learning every moment of every day what it is to be the church. You have this common shared experience of everything being fresh and everything being new. 
You haven't had time to become set in your ways. You haven't had time to form opinions of how things should be done because everything is new. Everything is a new experience. And so you're journeying and you're learning together what it looks like to be the church in this place at this time. It's exciting, it's fresh, and it's amazing. Now it's hard for us to do that, isn't it? It's hard for us to imagine what does it mean when, when Luke says they had everything in common. I mean, I don't believe that means they all like the same books or listen to the same music. But what it does mean is that everything they are experiencing is their number one priority right now. This whole new church thing is the number one priority in their lives because they're so kept swept up by what God is doing. They want the world to know. They want the world to see that Jesus is alive. They are passionate about this new thing that's happening among them and they want everybody to know so they're doing what they can to make that happen they're sharing to those who have a need they're showing love in any way they can show love they're showing compassion in any way they can possibly do it they're gathering everything together they're recognizing that person needs that let's give it to them i'm doing all right i don't need that they do everything's new everything's exciting everything's a new experience but we are not like that So much has happened over the years. Factions have have formed in churches through the generations. And and we know that's a natural part of human state. To be honest, if it wasn't for factions, we wouldn't have most of the New Testament. Because most of the New Testament is Paul writing to churches saying, you've got to deal with these factions that you have amongst you. You've got to work towards unity. You've You've got to strive for unity. You've got to want unity amongst you. And all these factions just become a part of life when groups of people get get together. It's natural and human nature that we gather around people who are like-minded. That we find people who think like us, who believe like us, who, who want the same things that we want. We will always gravitate to those kind of people. We won't naturally choose to be around people who think differently to us. That's why the church is so unique, because you're in a room this morning with people who think very differently to you. And and that's a natural part of being the church. I have never, ever, ever been in a church where there are no factions. I don't think such a church exists. Because so much has changed. And we bring with us, when we come to church, we bring with us all those different experiences of what church should be, what church should look like, how we should worship, what we should hear from the front, what we should do, how we should respond to those in need, how we should spend the money that we have, what's a priority, what's not a priority, uh, how important are building projects, how unimportant are building projects. All these different things will come together as we mix together on a Sunday morning. And all of which are important, all of which are valuable, all of which are good. So the question then is how do we find unity in in and with those factions in the church? And the the things that I'm going to share, three things that I think we can find from uh, the Acts of the Apostles, from this passage in Acts 2. Such a short uh, passage, uh, but so full of amazing things that we can apply. Now what we can't apply to us as a church is the culture of the time. We can't apply this whole thing of it being the first time church has ever happened because thousands of years have passed since. But there are principles we can apply from these disciples, from this early church, that I think we need as a church in order to move into a greater sense of unity. 
And when I'm sharing these things, they are things that I think church with a capital C needs, but I am talking specifically about St. Mary's and St. Mark's this morning. The first thing I think we need that the early church had was a teachable spirit. There is a sense in which they are hungry to learn from God. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were hungry to learn more. And we have a tendency in the church, and this is church with a capital C, to become so opinionated and set in our ways we're not even prepared to listen to the other. We're not even prepared to listen to the point of view of other people. We're not prepared to admit the fact we might have it wrong. And it's important for unity that everybody in the church has a teachable spirit. I'm not saying don't have opinions. Of course we have opinions about how things should be done, and that's good. But don't become so set in those opinions you're not prepared for somebody to show you you might be wrong in that. And that's okay. And to learn and grow in that together. To be willing to learn from one another. Yes, we learn absolutely from the Word of God, 100% priority but also from one another as well and those experiences that we have. The second thing I think we need is a shared aim for the lost and the broken, which I think, to be honest, we have in this church. I don't think there's anybody in this building who doesn't care about the lost and the broken. I really hope there's not. But there's something about this early church who was so swept up in what God was doing, but it wasn't just for them. They knew the world needed to know what they knew. They knew the world needed to experience what they were experiencing. And they had a passion and a care and a heart for the most vulnerable in their society because they know they need Jesus. And we live in a place that needs Jesus more now than ever before. And we need to have that shared heart. But in order to have the teachable spirit and that shared heart, we need something else as well. And this has surprised me when I've been seeking God. What is it about this? What is it about this particular passage that God wants us to to grab hold of? And what is it we need as we go into another year, as we look ahead to the things that we're planning to do this year, the plans that we have for All Saints, uh, which I'm going to talk about in a second, the plans that we have uh, for the other building projects, the plans that we have to grow as a benefice, to reach out to uh, to the people who don't know Jesus. I think we need a new, fresh, shared experience of God that we've never had before. Let me give you a very practical example. Raise your hands if you were here when the building work was finished and you moved back into this church. Raise your hands if you weren't. This wonderful new building is no longer a shared experience. Hands up if you were here uh, when uh, Gary was here and and around most of you. I wasn't. (laughs) Hands up if you weren't. So Gary is no longer a shared experience. And what I'm I'm hoping is that that God's going to do something amongst us that he's never done before so that we can have it as a moment that we share together. Uh, I'm not one for giving sporting analogies, as you know. Uh, It's not my favourite thing to do, and I know some people cringe whenever one comes up, whenever one gets pulled out of the bag, but I'm going to use one this week. On Wednesday evening, Tottenham Hotspurs 
who I don't support. Uh, but Tottenham Hotspurs uh, had their first match in a new stadium. And uh, it was, yeah. <laughs> and what I really loved about that was one of the articles about it. It was described as a we were there when moment for those who support Spurs. We were there when we had that match in the first, the first match in the new stadium. <coughs> Nick's nodding because he was probably in the Amex the first time Brighton played in there. He was there when that happened. And even if you're not a sporting person, there will be a moment in history you can think of where you were there. And you, you can relate to the people who were there in a way that people who weren't there can't. Does that make sense? If you were there, stood on the streets when something happened, you can relate to those people in a way that others can't. My prayer is that God gives us such a moment as a church and as a benefice. That he gives us a new moment that we're able to say, we were there when God did this. And that gives us such a shared passion, we want other people to know it as well. We want other people to experience it. But also, we don't become settled there but then we're seeking the next one and the next one and the next one because God is always wanting to do something new and something fresh with his church. The trouble is we live off second, third, fourth, often fifth time experience of God. That other people have had that experience of God and it's great, let's live off that. But no, Jesus wants you to have your own experience right now. I heard a quote in the week that I was umming and ahhing whether to share. The fact I've just started talking means I'm probably going to. Um, And it was this. Every great movement in history, in Christian history, began when the founder truly knew Jesus. Every great movement in history ended when the followers only knew the founder. The fact is, you don't have to rely on other people's experiences of Jesus. You can have your own. And there's a way in which God can do that individually for you, but there's also a way I believe he wants to do it corporately for us as we go into whatever this year has. And I want to share the wisdom of uh, Phil, actually, uh, this morning. Uh, We are moving into a new season with All Saints, as you know where we're hoping that we're going to do lots of new things coming out of there. Uh, And I'm delighted to say that as a PCC, we've agreed that Phil and Barbara are going to be kind of custodians of that, really. They're going to uh, be caretakers of All Saints and everything that happens in and from and out of that building. And I'm excited by that, and I hope you are too. Uh, It's a really great opportunity for us as a church uh, to, to seek what God wants to do out of that building before the building project happens during the building project and afterwards as well. And Phil quite wisely said that a number of you here are really invested in this building because you were here when all of this happened. Uh, And so for you, the thought of doing something new in all sense maybe even feels a little bit tiring just to to think about doing another building project, to think about going through all of that again. And some of you may not feel invested in All Saints in the way that perhaps I do or Phil does or or maybe other people do. But we believe that what God's going to do in All Saints is going to be so fresh and so new, it's going to reach a group of people not currently being reached. But I think it's still in a way going to start with us here. Because he's going to give us that fresh experience that we want the people of Hancross to know. And All Saints is going to be the place where they find 
that experience. Does that make sense? Uh, which I think is exciting. <coughs> and so my prayer for this year ahead, and I hope you will join me in this prayer, is that God will give us that experience, whatever it looks like. I can't tell you what it's going to look like. I can't tell you when it's going to happen. I can't tell you what, where, what, I can't tell you anything. But I can say that I believe in a God who is really exciting. And that whatever he has for us will be good. But I also recognise something I recognised when I first arrived here. And is still true today. People are tired. Very, very tired. And I believe the first thing God wants to do with us is to renew our strength. And that can only happen in his presence. And so I want us to make time for his presence so that he can renew our strength to make us ready for whatever it is he's going to do. So my prayer is that in his presence he will renew our strength. And once he's done that, he will do whatever new thing he wants to do amongst us. And that we will be ready for whatever that may be. And that this sense of excitement that the disciples had, this shared sense of let's do this together, will become one we know as well. That as Jesus does a new thing amongst his church in this year ahead. Let's just be still for a moment. Just a a few verses before this, the disciples are gathered before the Holy Spirit falls on the room. And they're working out what to do about the fact that Judas is no longer with them. They're trying to work out where they need to go next, who to appoint as the next apostle, all these kind of things. And it was a real line in the sand moment for those disciples. That whole acknowledging and accepting everything that's happened in the past, but also moving forward to what God had for them in the future. Little did they know in that moment what God had for them in that future. And I wonder if for us this morning there are a number of us here who perhaps need to do that drawing a line in the sand. To appreciate and celebrate the things of the past. but to not live off those in such a way that we're not ready to look for what's to come. And for those of you who are feeling weary and tired, two chapters after this one that we've just read in chapter four, the disciples come against an opportunity that they've never had before. And they're terrified. And what they do is they ask for more of the Holy Spirit. These are people who've just had Pentecost, and yet they're still asking for more. And the Spirit comes and gives them boldness and sends them out. So I want to ask God that in these coming moments, days, weeks, that you will pour out the Spirit afresh on us. 
that you would give strength to the weary. That you would instill vision. That you would bring unity that only you can bring. you give us a moment where we're able to say we were there when God did this and may that fuel us with passion to share you with those who don't know you today